Hello and welcome. I am so glad you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and you are listening to the Beyond Being Well podcast, a show dedicated to helping women leaders like you take your wellness journey to your wholeness journey and beyond. Join me as we explore relationships, work, money, health, and purpose, and interview the best of the best in women's empowerment so that you can love deeply, expand fully, and contribute to a better tomorrow. So let's get cozy, settle in, and dive straight into the magic. Hello and welcome. It's your host, Meg. And today we are diving into listening as leadership with Lael Stone. This episode is amazing for anyone who is on the parenting journey, but it's also got so much depth in terms of how we can learn to listen to ourselves and others. And from that place, really create uh, deeper connections um, and social change as well. So Lau's passion is creating wellness in families through education, connection and communication. She covers the whole spectrum from birth, sexuality and parenting and she uses her background in healing, counselling and entertainment to assist um, women and their families to create more communication and greater connection within that family unit. So she's worked for a long time in birth um, and that was kind of precipitated by her own experiences in birth. She's collected data and has played a really critical role not only in um, advocacy and policy but also just in being um, supporting a lot of women through birth. In the last 10 years or so, Lael shifted her work um, to incorporate being an aware parenting instructor and she helps parents with all aspects of parenting and healing and she also teaches sex ed to teenagers privately and in secondary schools. In this conversation, I really want wanted to bring Lael's passion for this work out and she's so easy to talk to. We could have just kept talking all day. Um, and her and I share this passion for like deep connection and connection sometimes coming on the other side of discomfort and her approach to aware parenting, which is the method of parenting that I came to through my own struggles. Um, that's not to say that it's like all that I solely focus on. I don't try not to just subscribe to one, um, ideal of parenting because I think that leads to judgment. But that approach of really understanding the emotional well-being of our children and that being contingent on how comfortable we are with expressing our and listening to our own emotions, that really resonated with me. And so we dive deep into that conversation um, with Lael on the podcast today. I am going to just let her passion speak for itself and I really hope you enjoy this combo. So let's get into it. Lael Stone, welcome to the Beyond Being Well podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. As am I. We've been chatting offline for a good while now and just really excited to dive into all of the wisdom that you have. But I wanted to start with a question I ask um, all the podcast guests, and that is, what is the change that you want to see in the world? And then what is the part that you're playing to support that? 
Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, I think straight away for me what comes up is the change that I wish that I could really see, you know, is is based on connection and families, really. I'd say that for me is where it all starts, which is around helping our children work through their feelings and emotions as parents, looking at all our own stories and stuff so we don't project that onto our kids, Um, creating connection and harmony in families so that then we raise children who can take that out into the world to create more peace, more innovation, um, all those kind of beautiful things that the world needs. So for me, it absolutely starts 100% from the moment you know we give birth and just in that family unit so that for me I think is my greatest wish often is that um, I guess as parents that we look at our own stories and look at what we're imprinting on our kids and how we can shift and change some of those stories that aren't necessarily positive to create more harmony really in families so that for me is often my greatest wish whenever I'm doing any of my work so for me um, I work one-on-one with parents and families around issues that may be happening with their kids Uh, I I teach workshops on that I have a podcast on that Um, we're creating a school based on those philosophies so for me it's connection is the heart of all of my work and creating connection for for adults, you know, or humans to connect with themselves and then also to create that really strong connection within their families and in the world, really. Mm, I love that. And what do you see, like, the bigger vision even than that? Like, if we're better at relating and better at connecting and we understand sometimes the barriers to connection and also we understand what it feels like to be in deep intimacy and connection what do you see that meaning for like the broader social environment well i just think we would see an enormous change when it comes to violence when it comes to relationships you know i often think that you know when we see a lot of the violence and aggression that happens with adults it's only happening because of pain from our childhood i mean everything for me always comes back to what happened to us when we were kids how we were treated what traumas we may have had or where we were not listened to and all those feelings get stored in our body and they get to a point where they have to come out because um, they can no longer stay in there and so that often will come out in aggression in anger and all those kind of things so and for me i see particularly you know i mean there's violence and aggression amongst both sexes but often it's it's a lot greater with the male population and i really for me trace it back to a lot that for for boys when they were younger were never allowed to cry they they were told to be strong they were never really allowed to um express their feelings and emotions and and that often gets buried deep inside and and they can often feel very powerless and then as they get older and they get bigger you know they need to then overpower others in order to feel okay about who they are where they are so for me i just see it as a bigger grand picture of of how we can actually make a huge change on the planet has Mm. to start within the family first it has to start with helping parents understand parenting and and who they are and all those kind of beautiful things to then you know create a bigger world difference i totally agree with you so tell me about uh, how you came to aware parenting i know i shared in the previous episode um how it kind of saved me and my marriage Mm -hmm. and what how how did your journey start with it 
Yeah, so my journey, probably like a lot of parents who came to work parenting um, out of necessity, I think. So I have uh, I have three beautiful kids. I have a nearly 19-year-old son, a uh, 15-year-old daughter and 11-year-old daughter. So I came to work parenting really about 11 years ago with my third child. So for my first two kids, you know, I, I was kind of a mum that knew kind of what I didn't want to do. So I didn't really want to smack my kids and I, I didn't really want to use timeouts and those kind of things. I was really kind of wanting to be a bit of an attachment mum, but I didn't really know what to do once they became toddlers and said no a lot and um, and started exerting their will in the world. And I was like, oh, I didn't know how to handle this. So I used to do a lot of distraction. I used to spend a lot of time trying to keep them happy. And any parent who does that will know that is so exhausting. It's just absolutely exhausting trying to keep everything happy all the time because that's actually not how it's meant to be. But trying to do that so that we don't have any big, you know, emotions and feelings was kind of where I was at because I thought that that wasn't necessarily a good thing. And, and it's kind of very much... I fell more into that attachment kind of parent vibe, but I just didn't, didn't, was, was at the same time was feeling pretty unhappy as a mum. I often felt resentful having to do the job I did and, and really was not very happy in my being and was certainly not looking after myself in, in that mothering journey. So when my third baby came along, um, my beautiful daughter, uh, when she was born, she had a really, really big birth experience so when she was born um, ended up being a breech baby that got stuck and she ended up being born by emergency cesarean she had a really bad reaction to the epidural that I had put in and she was born not breathing and, and was being resuscitated probably for about 10 minutes so um the prognosis for her from the moment she was born is that she probably wouldn't live and if she did um, she would more than likely have brain damage and um, you know there was a really big unknown question mark next to what her life would be like. So um, from someone who had worked in birth for many many years I saw the irony of this situation mm. of having to end up having a very big traumatic interventionist birth. So I, um, from the moment she was born I remember having to move into a big place of surrender and trust that basically just said to her with as much permission as I could that I trust you to do whatever you need to do if you need to go you need to stay then you do whatever you need to do of course I want you here but I am willing to just trust that you're going to have the journey that you need to have so right from the beginning I I entered into my mothering journey with her with a deep sense of surrender and trust that she would do whatever she needs to do and so with whatever miracle oh, I don't even know you know what orchestrated her path but she actually came through that whole um, event completely unscathed which many of the doctors could not believe it was actually possible um, but we finally got to take her home after about 12 days I mean she spent the first four or five days in a coma and then she had pretty much every drug and anything you could imagine pumping to her so not really the beautiful attachment connected you know <laughs> ideal family journey that you want to begin with it was you know everything the opposite so when I did finally get her home I knew enough to know that trauma um, especially in birth can have a big impact on a person's life so I had had trauma in that experience she had had trauma and she was a baby that was what I would call really wired so her eyes just looked like she was wired all the time she was very tense in her body like mm. everything was just like this complete overload so I started going look I need something to help her um, offload this trauma and myself and somehow I came across Aletha Salter's book The Aware Baby 
And I read this book and it just completely changed my life because I began to go, whoa, there's a whole place for all these feelings and emotions that perhaps I've been shutting down in my older kids, but also that I need to help my baby with. So once I read the book and I I told my husband about it and said, kind, let's give this a go. Every day, um, you know, around about the same time when it was quiet, I'd take my baby into my bedroom and I'd hold her on my lap and I'd just look her in the eye and I'd say to her, darling, if there's anything you want to tell me I'm listening you can let it go and instantly she'd start crying and sometimes she would cry for like half an hour really just deep deep tears um sometimes it was shorter than that sometimes she'd look deep in in my eyes sometimes she wouldn't look at me but every time she would do it I was literally just watching the tension and the trauma melt away from her body and I mean sometimes I sat there crying like it was it was a big process I needed a lot of support in it as well and I always like to make clear it was only ever after I'd made sure all her needs were met. So I made sure that she'd been fed and that she, you know, had a clean nappy and that everything, she was okay. But really I began to discover through the Aware Baby and Aletha Salter about how we release stresses and tensions, particularly for babies through tears, through, um, you know, movement, through laughter, all those kind of things. So as I began to just pretty much watch my baby change completely, um, she would become so relaxed, she would sleep so deeply. The deep connection I began to feel with her was almost just like this transforming healing that would happen every day. And so as I started doing it more and more with my baby, I then looked at my older kids and thought, oh, crap, there's probably a lot of feelings in there that I haven't <laughs> listened to. So I better start listening. And I just started to do the same thing with them. I would just, you know, when they started to get upset, I would sit on the floor and go, oh tell me about it mate I'm, I'm listening to you go for it and just instead of shutting down their emotions or trying to make it better um, I would just sit and listen and the change in my children particularly the older ones was extraordinary like I had to do a lot of listening in the beginning because there was a bit of a backlog but as I started to do it the whole dynamic of my family changed so I think from the moment I really started aware parenting, I don't think I ever yelled at my kids again from that moment because I began to just see their behavior and where they are in a completely different light. So every time one of my kids was acting out or upset, I just saw it as a red flag that they were saying, hey, I've got some feelings on board and I need your help to get them out. So I would, if I could, drop what I was doing, go and connect with them and really help them process or offload whatever was going on. So it was a massive game changer in our family and it really, I think, showed me the true depth of what connection and intimacy could look like in the family. And as well as kind of holding on that space for my kids, I learned pretty quickly that if I was going to do that for my baby and for my older children, then I absolutely had to take care of myself. So I then finally began to take care of me as a mama so I realized that in order for me to hold the space for my kids and do do this stuff I have to take care of me so I started implementing really amazing boundaries for myself around self-care and that even shifted the dynamic of my family in a massive way because the more I looked after myself the more space I had to give to my kids to my husband and you know it changed it just changed everything so amazingly it was like I could never ever go back Mm. (laughs) And, you know, I've been doing it for 11, nearly 12 years now. 
and have to tell you it's the greatest thing I have ever done as a parent because not only do I see what that looks like with my children, you know, who are obviously teenagers in the world and they are the most divine, beautiful teenagers. You know, for quite a while there, my husband, when we would be listening to Big Feelings, would look at me and go, are you sure this is going to work? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I just it I feels trust hard. It well. <laughs> yeah. And I see it now. I see the, the absolute level of depth of intimacy that um sorry of empathy that they have for other people in the world i see the the complete knowing of themselves i see how much they trust themselves and their bodies and their emotional awareness is extraordinary absolutely extraordinary so for me i absolutely do say it is one of the best things you can do well in my opinion as a parent to create more connection and help our children become emotionally aware humans because that's really i guess what we all want for our kids and you know and for ourselves as well I love that you that you also said for me to hold the space I I had to take care of me because for me it was the only I I was you know almost mirror image of the same journey and I imagine a lot of people that come to aware parenting have that same you know full-on attachment meaning my child never cries mm-hmm. and every need yeah. is met you know and if mm-hmm. and if it's not working attach harder like yeah. <laughs> attach harder. Yeah. and um and so I love that it positions the parent needs as really important and and mm-hmm. how that teaches our kids around self-care as well oh huge and and here's the thing is that if we are just like attach harder attach harder to make them happy we're actually doing them a big disservice because yeah. children actually need boundaries as much as they need loving connection mm. because they often need boundaries to push up against sometimes to offload big feelings that they've got going on and as you pointed out so beautifully we need to model to them self-care and meeting our own needs so that everybody can get their needs met and that's what I love so deeply about aware parenting is about how do we all get our needs met in this situation not just the child you know and the parent then feeling resentful because it's all about the child and the parent feeling completely burnt out and not swinging the other way when it's in a real authoritarian Mm. kind of position where we just overpower the child to get them to do what we want and you know their parents getting their needs met but the child isn't Mm. so I love that where parenting sits in the middle as there's actually a way where we can have beautiful boundaries deep loving connection and we can all get our needs met Mm. but but it's confronting. It's really confronting. <laughs> it's I, not for everybody. No, it is. It is really confronting. I think um, I'm. I'm aware of that. It feel we have to come up against, as women particularly, the stories that we've been taught around motherhood and what mother yeah. is. And I find in clients and myself, we're either trying to completely reject the way that we were parented by, if we were parented authoritarian, then we're going to become giant appeasers or mm-hmm. we're just subconsciously repeating the same patterns over and over. Yeah. And so to actually turn around and say, I'm in enough discomfort here and this pattern is not serving me enough that I'm going to actually make some of these things conscious. It's a really mm. scary thing. Can you talk about, Lael, some of these stories that we may come up against um, mm. when we start to shift to this more aware parenting approach where emotions are made safe and where expression yeah. is okay? Well, I guess the thing that I see, look, it was definitely a big um, challenge for me and then pro- probably all the parents I work with is the same thing, is that uh, to keep it really simple, I often say to parents, when we are having a reaction to our child, so when we are getting triggered, 
triggered with something or we're having a full-on response it is always about us it is triggering something within our own childhoods or a time where we never got our needs met and that often just fires that fight or flight within ourselves that then we become very reactive and that's i think in in mainstream parenting probably the number one thing that is not talked about at all it's still very much about you know get your child to do this and you can bribe them to do that or or take this away so that you have more power you know we're still living this very strong dynamic which is that you know you can overpower your child to get them to do what you want but you know we know that long term that doesn't work because before you know it you're having to buy them a brand new car just for finishing year 12 (laughs) and um it's not sustainable but it also is not helping the child at all get what they really need from that situation so when we look at um, parenting as a bigger picture that you know our children are like beautiful little mirrors and they're going to come into the world and the exact place where you have some story or some wounds they know exactly how to push that button to allow that to surface and for me that's probably the the part that feels hard for a lot of people in we parenting is that we have to look at the parts of us that didn't get our own needs met when we were a child and where those painful feelings can sit and for me i think it always comes back to the same things pretty much every client i've ever worked with when we get to the root cause of where the pain might be and so to give a bit of an example of this it might be that your four-year-old um you know sticks his tongue out and says i hate you or something like that or you know there's they're they're acting in a way that's a little bit aggressive or something and you know the parent might be trying to be calm like you know i can see that they're angry but all of a sudden they just completely lose it the parent and they get completely triggered by the child saying i hate you or something like this and that triggered part of the parent that moves into that, oh, you know, you ungrateful little thing or why can't you just behave or all those kind of feelings is really tapping into the parent's own kind of fight or flight response. And if I always ask the parent, whenever you get triggered, you know, the first thing if you can do is take a deep breath and go, firstly, what am I feeling? So it might be frustrated, it might be taken for granted, it might be resentful or whatever that feels like. And then the second question I often ask is, what does that remind you of? Where have you felt that feeling before? So for a lot of people, if we can track it back a bit, usually it'll come back to something in their childhood where they were shut down, where they were told they were not good enough, whether whatever it is. I mean, we just pick a scenario because we've all had them. Mm. And really where the pain often sits is that child that four-year-old child within you often had a situation where they were not listened to or they didn't get their needs met in the way that they needed or their parent didn't respond to them in the way that they really needed at that time so for most adults you know most of the time the pain comes back to i wasn't heard or i wasn't connected in with the way that i really needed at that time and so what happens is when we can kind of identify that with ourselves you know that little four-year-old me that got locked in the bedroom when I was upset about something you know what that four-year-old little girl needed probably was someone to say oh darling I can see that you're upset and I'm here with you and it's going to be okay and it's still not okay to hit your baby brother but I can see that you've got some feelings on board Mm. you know that's pretty much what most children do need because then there's connection there's understanding there's empathy and then that often allows that hurt to be healed so then they can move forward now for a lot of us because we did 
didn't get that. And it's rare that I've met a parent that in this day and age who's a parent that actually had that from their own parent. And of course, because, you know, our next generation of parents, again, we're only doing the best job they knew how, like we all are. We're always only doing the best job we can. You know, a lot of people didn't have any of their needs met and that's where often the pain sits so that when our child acts out in this way, it kind of taps us right back into those feelings again. Mm. And, you know, most of us don't want to feel those feelings. So we get angry and we project them onto somebody else. (laughs) It's often easier. And so, you know, and then the cycle continues and that's where it is really tricky because parenting asks us to look at our own story. Mm. And I I love... um, you know, Dan Siegel, who's written many parenting books. Mm. And you know, one of the quotes he said is that the biggest gift we can give our child is to know our story. Mm. And I absolutely believe that to be so true. And even as my kids have become teenagers, I've watched that every age my child is as they move through stuff, you know, my unfinished business yes. keeps coming up. Yeah. And let me tell you, the teenage years, oh man, you've got to go through puberty <laughs> all over again. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, I can't this is wait. Why practice as much as you can now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you hit those teenagers, you know, and I even say now, you know, my 15-year-old daughter who's just fabulous and amazing, something's going on with her friendship group at the moment and she's sharing all about it with me and I'm watching myself get really triggered. Yeah. And it's nothing to do with her. It's totally about my my 15-year-old me who got treated pretty poorly when I was 15 from friends. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's still a bit of crap in there about that that I need to kind of sit and heal with. And I love it, Lael, because the it's, it's it just like brings me to my knees in profound gratitude for this journey of parenting because what I'm hearing is when we start to look at the dynamic in this interplay of, of my triggers and their feelings mm-hmm. that we realize a that they're masters at getting their needs met far beyond mm-hmm. what we are right like we've yeah. unlearned how to process mm-hmm. and they're excellent at processing and yet we come in and project our wounds and say like that's not okay that's not safe mm-hmm. to process and so they're growing us up and we're growing yes. them up and it becomes this profound like interplay that I think when I think about your purpose in the world and your mission right like we're all in that growth mindset when we're mm-hmm. parents and if we can stay there instead of in shame or guilt or like I'm a shit mom or I can't mm-hmm. do this it just feels so much more purposeful than mm-hmm. um, what we actually give ourselves credit for as parents totally and I mean look there's two, two elements I'll add to that firstly one is that the the number one thing we have to do as mothers or parents is give ourselves so much compassion and the only way I've found through this whole parenting journey and doing it in this way is to be so kind to myself so the times where I have acted out or I've yelled or I've not been my best self you know I have to just be really kind to myself and go yeah that was that was crap but there's also some feelings here so be kind and compassionate because that's what helps the healing and then go and repair with my child or you know and even within that there's beautiful learnings as well but the first part is massively about compassion for yourself on the parenting journey and then for me the second part is to to understand that the goal on some level is to allow your children to be the full expression of who they are, not having to carry around a heavy backpack full of that whole lineage of stories and burdens that we haven't wanted to deal with that we place on their shoulders. And that's what 
kind of the majority of the world does on some level is we take all our unprocessed crap and because we don't want to feel it we just project it onto our kids and then our kids are like wow this is really heavy and they keep trying to throw it back to us going hey it's not mine it's yours but because we don't want to deal with it you know then it becomes <laughs> this power play that goes yeah. on and I see it more than ever in the teenage years where kids you know are older they have more freedom and that's where massive amounts of disconnection often happens in the teenage years because the teenagers are going quite rightly this is not mine to carry. Mm. You need to carry this. And when as parents we can do our own work, then what we are doing is giving our children full permission to be the the fullness of who they are in, in their life without having to carry our stories. Now, they're always going to carry a little bit because we, we there's no such thing as the perfect parent and we can't, you know, it's a continual learning, healing process. But if we can do as much work as we can on ourselves, it allows our children to be the full, expression of who they need to be and that to me is just the greatest gift we can give our children Mm. because then they are so deeply connected to themselves and they're guided by themselves and their innate knowing not by this pressure of the family unit to say you should be this or you Mm. should do this or this is how we do it in our family they know who they are from the inside out and that's extraordinary to witness it's so extraordinary and so profound, you know, to have that internal guidance system like switched on and operating. Mm. I love it. Mm. I, I wonder, I'm just thinking um, I, that potentially one of the barriers that people come up against with aware parenting is um, this idea that we need to be liked, you know, all the time. And mm-hmm. I have a three-year-old and teenagers don't really play ball with that you know and especially not ones with new siblings and so Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering whether we could work through that a little because I think this barrier of like but I need to be liked for my own validation for my own wounding Mm -hmm. really prevents us from stepping into you know and I love how Janet Lansbury talks about leadership a lot she talks about being Mm -hmm. a leader being an energetic leader in the house Mm -hmm. and um, you know Tammy Lynn Kent talks about mothering from your center being this energetic space holder and you've talked Mm -hmm about that too and I love these concepts because in a way it makes us accountable and responsible for these ideas of like I need to be liked but we Mm -hmm. also realize that sometimes allowing our children to be in discomfort can actually be a wonderful thing as well Mm -hmm. as allowing ourselves could you kind of just expand on that a little Mm -hmm. bit of what that leadership role means to you Mm -hmm. oh it's it's beautiful and profound and it's kind of the key to being a fully emotionally aware human I think you know I I look I'll talk about it in my own sense of I got I got brought up with a beautiful parents really amazing and they they met my needs as, as best as they could and by all accounts I had a pretty amazing childhood but it was I learned from a young age that I had to be good in order to um to get my needs met which meant not really acting out not having big tantrums and feelings you know I, I had to be a good girl and how that impacted me in my own journey was you know through the adult years I grew up really with this strong sense of I need to be liked to be okay so you know it's hard to take risks if you're really worried if people aren't going to like you and if I do something and put it out there in the world are people going to judge it and a lot of 
of that's a lot of people in the world feel like that and a lot of the times that comes from this this imprint that we have when we're children that it's actually not safe to express our big scary feelings they're often shut down or we're told to go into um, our rooms or you know some kids are smacked for having big feelings so all of that becomes an imprint to say having big feelings and expressing anger or mad or sad or um, jealous or all those big feelings are not okay so we learn pretty quickly to um, just push them down so that you know we can actually survive because our attachment is often greater than our needs of the feelings in order to survive so you know for, for a lot of people that's often how they were raised so the way that I look at it is that what we actually want to do is raise children that know all of their feelings are welcome that I love you just as much when you are happy when you are full of joy and passion and I love you just as much when you are angry and when you are sad and when you feel rage you know all of your emotions are welcome and I see you in all of them because if we don't acknowledge and hold a space for those big kind of yucky feelings again what we are subconsciously saying to a child is I will give you love but only when you're good so when we send kids away for being as in meaning go to your room or go to a naughty corner or those kind of things for having those big feelings then really what we're doing is setting up this this understanding that it's actually not okay to express those feelings and feel like that and then that has detrimental effects as we become adults and that's why most adults end up in therapy because we're having to undo all those feelings that were kind of shut down when we were kids so the way that I look at it is that my job as a parent is to help my children feel their feelings and then let them go. And, you know, I used to see this when they were little and toddlers are just so brilliant at doing this, is that, you know, you give your three-year-old daughter the wrong coloured cup and she completely <laughs> loses the plot, right? Now, often it's never about the cup. It's usually a big build-up of feelings or tensions that may have happened throughout the day and the cup is kind of the catalyst. Now, if we she has a big meltdown because you've given her the wrong coloured cup, you know, if we send her to a room because she's, you know acting out because of the cup you know again often children will take on this story of shame and I'm not I'm not okay you know I need to be sent away when I have these big feelings um or if we just try to make sure oh how about this cup or what about that cup or try and fix it so that she doesn't get upset again we're not really dealing with what's sitting underneath but if we can just drop to her level get on the floor look her in the eye and say darling I know you wanted the blue cup but we can't have it but I'm here to listen to how you feel about that then usually if kids have got to build up of feelings they will express that rage those tears and then it finds its natural beautiful balance where it usually moves into some beautiful big sobs they usually then come and curl up on your lap and then just kind of look at you with bright eyes and go i'm hungry and then it's just done (laughs) the feelings are gone they're moved because within that they've just processed that build up of tension they've let it go and for me being able to hold a space like that is just one of the most sacred vessels that you can hold for your child because you are saying to them your big feelings are not too much for me all of you is welcome here Mm. and again how I've seen that by doing it over the years you know from starting when my kids are babies up until teenagers is once they kind of you know that's really common normal behavior up until about six or seven then as they kind of make that developmental leap with their brains they're actually 
more equipped to use their words to say how they're feeling. But then as they become teenagers, what I have seen so beautifully is that they will come to you with the big feelings because they know that you can hold them. They know that all of them is not too much for you. And that's a big imprint that a lot of people do have in in a lot of clients I work with that, you know, the big feelings and stories they had, my parents just couldn't cope with, you know, and what that made me feel was that I'm too much. I'm too much for you. You know, I, I can't be who I really need to be. I have to dumb myself down or dim my light or all those kind of things because it's too much for you. And for me, you know, I bring it back to what I want for my children is to know that all of them is welcome. Mm. And that doesn't mean, you know, that we don't have boundaries. It, 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 you know, again, so much of where parenting is about that beautiful balance of saying no and having boundaries. And we can say no to the behavior, but yes to the feelings mm. that come from that no. Yeah. Um, it's equal parts, that beautiful holding and boundaries as it is the loving, deep connection. Mm. So, you know, for me, I must say what I have learned is doing that with as a mum. And, and again, that wasn't modeled to me. So it was really tricky in the beginning. Like I was pretty crap at having boundaries in the beginning. Um, And it took a while to practice and learn that. But the more, the the better I got at having boundaries for myself, the easier it was to hold that space and those boundaries for my kids. And then it just got better and better and better. Oh, I've just got this amazing space without being rocked. You know, I often talk about that we as a parent needs to be the anchor Mm and our kids are in that ocean whether it's calm waters and everything feels good or it's rocky waves that we are that anchor that says i've got you i'm here for you it's okay you can feel those feelings they will pass and then you'll come back into those calm seas again and for me that is just one of the most profound teachings i've learned as a woman not only in parenting but in my whole life but also to anchor that for my kids Hmm. I mean, it's it's really nice that you're giving really practical examples because I think that's what when I started, I really wanted to, the language and um, to hear how we aware parent in the moment. I'm wondering how we find that balance because certainly in my experience, with certain triggers like the the lower ones the smaller ones you become quite easy to work through but the bigger ones Mm. you know when you do get really rocked to your core and you're able to hold the space but then I find having a separate place for you to parent yourself in the same way or be parented if that's a therapist or whatever a listening partner that's really important too right because uh you know to get that anger to to process what's just happened in your physical reality as a result of your child's physical reality is it is another step entirely what do you do personally you know you've got three teenagers now what do you do personally to support yourself to be able to Mm -hmm. hold that space Oh, look, I 100% agree as much as aware parenting is about turning up and listening to our kids' feelings in equal parts. It's about listening and turning up for your own. I mean, I would never have managed through this whole aware parenting journey if it wasn't for my listening partner. So like 11 years ago when I started, I, I read Elisa Salter's book and my best friend was about to have a baby at the same time and I said hey you've got to read this book because I'm going to need someone to talk to about it so can you read it and let's um (laughs) compare notes so so we just became the listening partners for each other all the time so sometimes when I was listening to really big feelings 
with my baby and I would just feel all this stuff come up after I'd finished listening to Tali I would get on the phone and go oh if you got a few minutes to listen to me and she if she did she'd be like yep and I'd just have to talk about one part of the journey or I'd need to have a cry or and we just developed this beautiful listening partnership where we'd just send a text to each other and go have you got five minutes or I need some listening time and and we would just connect in. And sometimes it was via text. Sometimes it was just a voice message to each other. And sometimes it was just laughing on the phone, you know, using all the most inappropriate language yeah. and saying all sometimes the things that we wish you could say. Because that's that. just very freeing. Yeah. And I, there is no way I would have been able to do this without that. And even though I have my beautiful husband who's totally on board, I needed somebody that was separate to my family because, you know, both my husband and I bring our own parenting, you know, issues to the table like everybody so sometimes that was triggering sharing bits and pieces with each other so I I found that a third person was brilliant to be able to just vent freely where she would just listen with complete empathy and understanding so I found over the years that that's been my absolute saving grace I found that um it's rare now that I have to ring and go can I have some listening time I'm, I'm pretty good now at processing myself so if I do feel the trigger I'll kind of just sit with myself and go "Mm, what's going on here and and can work through it quickly within myself but for bigger things I will definitely reach out to um to her or I have a few other um aware parenting um colleagues that sometimes I'll ring and go oh I've got a big juicy one here can you listen for a minute and just ask me the right questions um even the other day I was saying to my husband some I had something come up for me and I was like oh I'm feeling like this babe and he's like oh yeah. And I was like, could you ask these questions? These are the questions I'd ask a client. Yes, Can you just ask them? I do that too. <laughs> I, quote, I have the conversation the between both of us for both yeah, of us. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I go, Can you just be me for a minute? Pretend you're me and I need <laughs> me to counsel me. Um, and he was so funny. But I needed someone to ask me those questions yes. so that I could actually really get to the bottom of what was happening. So for me, without doubt, being able to hold the space for my children has meant that I need the space being held for me with a listening partnership and also probably the biggest thing that really holds me is quiet so Mm. I have to make sure that I have lots of pockets of quiet and which is much easier when you have teenagers because they're out there doing their own lives and it's really tricky I completely remember how challenging it is when you have got little kids but I think it had to become a priority like for me the more I took up care of myself the, the better version of myself I was that I could then take care of my kids and it had to become a non-negotiable sorry it had to become a non-negotiable in my world like it had to be like no this three hours is what I'm doing for me because you know this is what's going to aid the family and and I would say the same thing to my partner you know go take time for you or what do you need to do and it looks different for everybody but whatever it is that fills up your cup and allows you to be heard then it has to be the number one priority first and then you know parenting next after that yeah and and I think with that it's it's an embodied thing I think often um we're like intellectually I can't I can't commit to that self-care and so we never try and the only way that you begin to see the benefits to your family is by trying isn't it because it's like you can just unless we try and feel how that feels and Mm -hmm. feel the energetic shift in our family in the positive direction Mm -hmm. it's always going to be this story that I can't yes and the story of I can't serves us all well Mm. and it served me well for many years because the the story of oh I'm too busy and I can't do this and I can't do that was just such a beautiful mechanism I was using to not have to deal with the crap yeah so it was so much easier for me to complain and to be 
in the stuck of I can't as opposed to actually sitting still and being quiet and then having to feel what came up from that. So it's tricky. It's really tricky, you know, to, to look at the feelings. So we serve ourselves well by creating obstacles so we, we can't do it, hmm. you know. But I say even half an hour in the bath, you know, when your kids have gone to bed just for you or taking a 10-minute walk around the block or just tiny little bits that actually just say I'm honouring myself enough to just give me myself some breath or some time, you know, just little steps. But often, you know, it does become a bit of a, a saboteur, I hmm. say, to stop from feeling what's what's happening and that's absolutely okay totally keeps us alive totally we're very clever at protecting ourselves and i think you know it's again coming back to that compassion bit i spoke about before we have to be so compassionate Mm. with ourselves of where we are in the journey you know just we're all doing the best job we can and we're all just trying to protect ourselves all the time and and sometimes it's just stretching that little bit further to go oh if i let that guard down a little bit what might come out and Mm. how can i how can i beautifully nourish and just hold that little piece to then help us all grow and you know to i think i think there's this other whole part of it that's like if we expect to make safe all the feelings with our children you know it's okay to cry in front of your children and it's okay to have feelings in front of them too. And it's, you know, I think there's this idea I've seen kind of aware parenting, attachment parenting interpreted. And so we have all this language of, I know what to say and I know what to do. I know how to listen. And I know, and yet, and, and yet still there's no display of feelings outward, Mm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes we do get frustrated. And like you said, that's about the repair, but sometimes you know, I just say to my daughter, like, I'm feeling sad today and, and I'll yes. cry and that's okay as well because she can mm. see that past. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes mm-hmm. when we get so adept at the language, it becomes almost a saboteur in itself again mm-hmm. that we can be, like, still not dealing with the crap. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, totally. And your children will probably mirror that back to you. I mean, our kids are the best barometer of mm-hmm. where we are. So children are so deeply connected to us energetically that if we're kind of faking it, <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, nah, parent, that's not that's not good enough. You know, they will often, their behaviour will often, you know, scale up to the next level or what's going on often won't shift because they're like, you're not really bringing me the quality of listening or attention or presence that I'm desperately needing. Mm. So I often see that that's what shifts as well with, with um, kids is that the more we shift our own story, then their behaviour often changes really quite instantly mm. because we've got the bigger picture within it. I remember my youngest daughter who you know is so brilliant at releasing you know there was a phase there where I'd see that she'd have feelings and part of me was like I just didn't have the space to listen to them but I'd be like okay darling and I'd kind of sit there and go mm, yes and I'd nod but my heart really wasn't in it and I remember one day she looked at me and she said don't make that face don't make that sound just listen and I was like oh my god you have to totally and she was right I wasn't really present I was was going through the motions and she just called me back into it because she was just like that's not what I need mum I really need you and I was like oh my god you're so right I've avoided dropping into that because of all the other stuff that was going on so I love that she is so good at keeping bringing me back to how present really are you Mm. with me you know and and they get that they do 
it or they'll push you to the edge where they get the release from you so yes. that it feel, makes safe for them that they can have the um, release and it's so profound yeah. you're like you know yeah. I was just today with my daughter she's extremely sensitive nervous system and, and to pain and um so applying first aid to my daughter is like mm-hmm. a no total no-go right and yeah. I know I, but I also recognize that in myself um that wasn't uh, ex- big feelings about being injured was shamed mm-hmm. you know was yeah. like get on with it get up what look so so yeah. it's so triggering for me and she pulled a scab off her arm right and it was mm-hmm. like the end of the world oh. and I could feel myself like just getting bigger like getting more and more triggered and like going into this chaos and like meeting her there and not at all being (laughs) there and listening to her feelings right and then I came down here to record with you and I was like and all this stuff's been going on with my with my body I'm at that four month you know hormones just like drop and you're just like what is happening Mm -hmm. and I could just laugh at that she had took me to my edge in order for Mm -hmm. me to see what was going on in my body and to listen to Mm -hmm. that so that then I could process that and be more available for her and I'm just like it's so amazing it's just profound profound, isn't it and I mean to really strip it back I, I over all the years what I've come back to is my job is to bring the spaciousness mm-hmm. to my kids so that wherever they are in their journey my job is to turn up with as much openness and spaciousness as possible which means having done my own work so that I can hold a space for wherever they are yeah. in their stories and I mean that's to really simplify it and but in the beginning as we're learning and as we're doing and for many years and still now you know if you you just have to watch your kids with curious eyes with what they're doing just watch them and they will bring you whatever they need to do to heal or to get you to shift like you actually don't have to do anything you just have to watch yes. and be open which is so because liberating isn't it, it it's is, like isn't it? Yeah. there's nothing to do except to be spacious and be aware within it mm. so you know i really trust you know and i absolutely know this fundamentally Ch- children are always doing whatever they can to come back into balance it feels better for them to be in balance which means they feel connected to you they feel happy you hear them singing they you know you ask them to pick up their shoes and they do you know when your child's in balance you know it feels really beautiful and harmonious and when they're not in balance which is when they've got big feelings or they're hitting the dog or you know they're doing stuff that you, you know doesn't feel good that's a sign that they're going hey i'm out of balance i want to come back into balance mm. and our job is to be that anchor to help them come back in to balance and that's through play and laughter it's through maybe setting some loving limits that then they can have some big feelings against you know it's it's turning up and being as spacious as possible to allow them to come back into balance and at the same time i mean they're so clever they're trying to come back into balance and at the same time they're also going hey you still got a bit of story here mum let me help you shift that bit <laughs> yeah. as well so you know they're actually the masters they are. are really the students <laughs> we really are lail i've loved this conversation thank you so much for yeah, showing up pleasure. and bringing your passion i could just keep talking for hours mm, and i'm so excited you. that your podcast is coming out soon and i'll be listening yeah. to every episode but where can people find you um and more info about what you do yeah, great. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Meg. It's so beautiful speaking to somebody who just so gets this in and speaks this language and is doing, you know, their own beautiful, you know, work in the world. So firstly, thank you so much for having me and, you know, and, you know, just shedding more light on just how extraordinary parenting can be. So amazing work. Um, so I'll be at my website. 
lalestone.com.au. So it's L-A-E-L-N-S-T-O-N-E. So that's just got my different offerings of parenting and birth and sex ed for teens and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm on Facebook at um, Lailstone, Instagram at Lailstone, and we have our podcast coming out soon, the Aware Parenting Podcast, um, that you can find on iTunes as well. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I am at the moment. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for your time and best of luck for the vision that you're working towards. Oh, beautiful. Thanks, Meg. Thanks so much. Thanks.